This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about several things. Coaching. Do we have a coach for you? And Lee, let's talk about egos. Speaking of egos, Lee. I I resemble that remark. (laughs) Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, Director of Communications, as I cannot say it, but yes, for Sales Fuel. (laughs) And I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of Sales Fuel. Well, who we have today, you are in for a really great sort of brain sponge, take it all in from this extraordinary woman uh, who I've actually actually work with over the years a couple times. It's a privilege to introduce Mary Gardner, the Charisma Coach, marygardner.com. She is a nationally recognized speaker and public speaking coach, a roast of prominence. You, you've heard of Kepler Speakers, the very large A-lister, you know, Speakers Bureau out in New York City and uh, marygardner.com. She's worked with astronauts Mark Kelly. She's coached professional athletes, Billie Jean King, Martina Navratilova, Peggy Fleming, and other, you know, TV anchors, CEOs, executives. Mary Gardner, Thank you for giving us some of your very valuable time today. Hi, how are you? Audrey, it's so good to see you. And Lee, good to see you too. Thank you guys for having me on today. No, this is fun. Thank you. So what's the secret to the charisma coach? What makes a good coach? Tell our Managed Smarter audience what you think. All right. Well, that's a couple of different questions. Yeah. So the, <laughs> I love how you stack those questions. That's great. I think what <laughs> makes a really good coach is somebody who has a natural curiosity about people and really likes people and actually can look at a person and look at their good points rather than their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. If we focus a lot on everybody's weaknesses, we'll never get anything done. And so my job as the charisma coach is really to poke around to find people where they get into their passion and they get excited about it and they just go into the flow of talking and the ideas start streaming out and we forget all about the bad things that they don't like to do. We just really focus in on where their strengths are and then you can kind of take it from there. So that's where I like to get people. When I help people get back to the time they were 13 years old, hanging out with their cousins and just being themselves. And so many people these days are so stressed out. They don't have any hope. They don't have faith in their future. And so I think a good coach can help people get to their best self. What I like about that is that if you're genuinely curious, you're going to be more apt to actually listen to the other person all the way through and not be thinking about what you want to say next and wait for them to take a breath so you can jump in and talk. And I think you're going to ask better questions. Absolutely. I think that that's the natural thing for people to do. But a coach is, you know, if you think if you're in a friendship, you would take a pie and you'd split it halfway down the middle. You ask half of the questions and I ask half of the questions. But a coach is an inquiry. They're really, it's it's more about let's find what your best suit is or let's, you, you get your, your aha moment. So it's moving the client forward, however that is. And you're right, not jumping in when they think of something to say. It's letting them come up with the answers. They know the answers, but they just don't realize that they know the answer already. Right. And oftentimes, I mean, when I'm being coached too, you know, you could just sit there with with somebody and like, oh my God, you're the best coach because they didn't say anything. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, Audrey, I'm done here. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) 
What a concept. <laughs> now, you coach some of these power hitters, uh, A-listers on better public speaking. You help them craft their new presentations for the speaker circuit, right? And you, yes. you also do a more personalized branding or kinds of kinds of coaching. Expand a little yeah. bit on some of the other ways that managers might think to coach that might be different than just saying, do this better, do that better, you know? Yeah, there's a real distinction now between a manager and they used to be and a lot of people that are maybe millennials versus the baby boomers. So the baby boomers kind of grew up in a way that we were told tasks and we told we were told to go do them. And so the generation millennials, and then we talked about the further generation, the Zs, they have been more collaborative and they are looking for somebody who's an inspiring leader. And I have found in coaching the leaders of today, they are the ones that have to change. We have to change our methods and we have to become a person who can come to the table prepared to inspire people every day. And that is through storytelling and that is through collaboration and that is through a lot of intangible things that can help these millennials and the Xers or Zs go forward and be, be able to work in that environment. They're just not going to be capable of being told a task and then go do it. But it's what's an example of that then? So I have a team of five young people and you're saying I shouldn't just call them in my office for, our, you know, sit down, check up. Like what is an example of an inspiring way of coaching and critiquing them then? Absolutely. I mean, you want to look at what's the goal of the company and what's the goal of this project that we're working on. So when you get the team together, it's more about, all right, let's create what the end all the vision is. Here's what my vision is. I'd like to hear from you guys. And it's best even if you could just throw out, here's our end goal. And then you start to do the brainstorming process, throw up a whiteboard, get those, you know, all ideas are fantastic and nobody gets criticized. And you just go around and say, all right, let's find together what this is going to look like. So casting that vision is so important first that they all feel that they had contributing parts of it. So what are the components of good storytelling? Oh, I love that. That's a great question. Most of the people that I work with or a lot of the people that I work with are left brain introverts. A lot of them are attorneys, they're financial professionals, astronauts. They have a factual story that they want to tell. And uh, what I like to do is to encourage people that if you're persuading somebody, people justify on logic, but they buy off of emotion. And so you've got to have those facts there. But the best kind of storytelling will set up the story a little bit to tell a little bit of the philosophy. It's kind of the whole thing. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them and tell them what you told them. But it's giving a one line metaphor that will give them a, to set up this story and then tell the story in a way that hits all the emotional points. And what I do, a lot of people just tell the facts, but like a, a story that I remember so well was Mark Kelly, the astronaut who's married to Gabby Giffords, was telling a story about how he was uh, when he first heard that Gabby Giffords was shot. He was on an airplane going from Houston to Arizona to pick her up and CNN announced that she was dead, that she died. Oh, and so God. that was the information that they got. And he was on the plane at that point. And so he said, I went into the bathroom and it was bad. And I said, well, what do you mean it was bad? What happened? What'd you do? You know, to, how'd you feel? 
And so I made him go through that feeling again of how it felt in that moment. So where he goes through it on stage and he said his daughter, when he out of the bathroom, he was crying so hard. He was shaking so hard and crying so hard. It looked like his whole body was crying is what his daughter said. And so after he shares a little bit more about the emotion, people in the audience, they, they go from this high point, like, oh my gosh, you're kidding to, oh my gosh, you're kidding. You know, so it just brings people on this emotional mm-hmm. journey that at the end of the speech, you're high, you're low, you're high, you're low, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it becomes so colorful and so fun. One of the things I noticed that really good speakers do is that then when they, they tell a story at the beginning, it makes you want to root for them. You know, yeah. so at that point in time, it's like they kind of got you in the palm of your hand then, like, then before they actually deliver their big message. I love that. Absolutely. You have to grab them right in the beginning. And even when it's a manager who's doing a monthly or weekly meeting, they should always come prepared with some sort of inspirational story that just grabs them, gets the attention of people. Absolutely. I love that. Well, is charisma something that can be taught or is it just something you're born with? Well, automatically people have a certain amount of energy and it is chemistry and people do have what they have. You could look at children that are, some of them are playing quietly in the corner and then some of them mm-hmm. are vivacious bullying everybody, you know, telling mm-hmm. them what to do. So I think everybody has a certain amount, but there are certain things and tools and techniques that any introvert can learn to be able to calm themselves and to be able to bring their personality around other people. And when people find They are working a lot in their passions and they are having hobbies that really excite them. They have more of a calmness about them. And then it just becomes more about learning those small talk skills and conversation skills and public speaking skills that those those, uh, communication skills to allow their natural personality to come out. Yeah, because introverts pushing outward externally is very draining for them. Because I have a couple yes. family members that are I self-identified as introverts, and they just find like small talk exhausting. They say, yeah, you know, yes, so. yes. And I've got a couple little formulas. One of the formulas that I use and teach is that you want to stay away traditionally from topics that are uncomfortable, religion, politics, or two. Sure. But there's a formula. It's so super easy. F O R M, family, occupation, recreation, message. And it's just a very easy formula that they can remember that they can start asking questions of a person. And again, it's that natural curiosity and you don't want to interrogate people, but if you can sit and be present with someone and really spend time, makes the other person talk. The other person goes away like, Oh my God, you're amazing. So these are really super easy thing, but if it is, they're going into a lot of introverts, if they're going into a big social environment, they do need to emotionally prepare and get themselves to a place where they can handle it and then go back into the quiet and take care of themselves. Yeah. So Mary, say I just stepped in your office and I'm a prospect for you and you know, give us, give everybody an example of how this FORM actually would work. So let you want to start up small talk with me. How does that look? Well, again, when I'm doing workshops, I do workshops. I have a workshop called the Charisma Course. And so we go through a series of different things. And it doesn't always just start with small talk. We start with a handshake and really, you know, just getting comfortable being around a person. We we talk about how reading another person's energy is so important. Oh, you have to match it. You have Mm. to match it. If somebody's coming off so extraordinarily over the top, then you're going to have to raise your own game a little bit. 
And if somebody's quiet, then kind of, you know, getting down to a place where, yeah, exactly. You're matching their tone of voice. Mm -hmm. You're matching their body. You're matching their accent even sometimes. So I would start with those kind of things and then moving into eye contact and being able to be comfortable looking at somebody. And then we talk about how do you remember somebody's name? Because when somebody hears their own name, they feel like, oh, wow, it's like a little adrenaline shot. Like, hi, Audrey. Hi, Lee. How are you? Mm -hmm. It feels good rather than, oh, hey. So -hmm. those would be some things that I would start with with a person just to see where to kind of warm them up a little bit before we even do conversation skills. And so the family, is that that just asking a question about do you have any kids or, you know, are you married or anything like that? Or how does that work? Absolutely. It depends on where you are and who you're with. So I would say something like, Lee, tell me about yourself. Are you a dad? Are you family? What's, you know, so I'd love to know a little bit more about you and where you come from and what you do for a living and would love to, to spend a few minutes with you. So that kind of thing. It doesn't have to be the first one is F, you know, it uh, just be a- <laughs> go in order. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the yeah. rules. Yeah. And also, yeah, it's like, you know, tell, tell me where you grew up is a great question, too. That's, yeah. Absolutely. And then, really, what's ever obvious, if we were all meeting at a conference, then how'd you get here? How'd you hear about it? Where it's, you know, do you know any of the organizers or do you know anybody here? And that kind of thing can really soften the blow a little bit and make people feel comfortable. Mary, before I joined Sales Fuel Full Time, you know, Mary and I worked together, Lee, I told you this, and audience, with a couple high power clients. And I have heard you, Mary, talk some of these heavy hitters off a ledge. There have been some difficult situations that have come up with our work together over the years. And you have such a skilled way of handling these power people. And so we wanted to talk to you a little bit about egos. So managing smarter, manage smarter, the name of the podcast, when you're up against somebody that's got a big ego, what are your best practices for how to work better or manage up or manage down or both if you're middle management? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. They're all individual. I will tell you every client that I work with and manage have different situations. I think I may have shared with you guys. I have a client right now that is smarter than his managers. And so that's a real uncomfortable that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> They They picked people that they could control. And so he is, we're having to go through whether or not he wants to continue to expend all of this energy, giving the runaround and working with people that are not quite as with it as he is. And it looks like to me that he's opting to start looking for another job, that he's not being able to use his best strengths because his bosses demand him that he does XYZ. So his, he does not have good leaders. What happens is if you're not a good leader, you'll, you will lose good people that are working underneath you. So that's really, really important. But I don't know what kind of clients are you guys? Well, if there's a, if you're a hiring manager though, this was a very important thing that you said in the pre-show stuff. Hire somebody who is smarter than you. Don't be afraid of that. And you had a very good reason for that and share that with the audience. Well, everybody, you have a team. I mean, you want to be able to fill out a team. And if you are by or hiring people that are exactly like you, you're going to duplicate the efforts. And really, everybody on your team should have a different skill. And so there should be a mutual understanding that everybody in the room is going to be smarter than you in something. And that's the way it should be, that we all have deficits, we all have strengths, And they should have an understanding about that. And a good manager or team lead, whoever it is in that position, should understand that going around. And then one of the tricks and techniques is when they're in that environment, ask the lowest person on the totem pole first what their ideas are. Because I know that Mark Kelly tells a story that 
he uh, they when they start at the top, nobody is everybody's intimidated to be able to give an answer that disagrees with the leader. And uh-huh. so if you start at the intern level and you say, OK, what's your opinion on this subject? And you go up from there, you can get a more fair assessment of and letting everybody contribute. That's a great I tip. always speak last whenever we're having brainstorming sessions or something like that for exactly for that reason. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that's what happened to the Columbia, a bunch of the I think it was the Columbia that he he shares about that. The airplane was was lower level people that realized that there was a problem with it and they didn't speak up. And so the higher up people didn't. And so we lost several astronauts. So that's why they're like, all right, start at the bottom. Ask every single person what your opinion is, what your thoughts are. So. Well, we were talking this morning. Um, I shared with you. Tom Peters was talking about, you know, what's the what's the sales landscape going to look like in five years? And with you know Gen Z coming into the workforce, and now what is it, Lee? Five or six generations currently in the, work, in the workforce right yeah. now. Yeah. What do you think, from a managing skill perspective, things are going to look like? You know, three five years down the road for different coaching methodologies and. Or has it been the same, largely the best practices you have seem to work for everyone because they're best practices? I think best practices are really important, but I don't think this generation is prepared at all. I think there's a huge Mm. gap with communication. There isn't the general friendliness, the kindness. There isn't the responsibility and the integrity to get to a place at a certain time. And so professionalism is not rewarded or not rewarded rather. It's not as valued, I would think. How are you seeing that? How is that manifesting right now that you see that in Uh, action? Well, what I'm getting is I'm getting a lot of people that are saying these, even, I mean, at all ages, but people are just not understanding the basic skills of being likable and really understanding getting to know people and creating a relationship is how you create and get things done. And so oftentimes they just jump right in and start telling people what to do or, or what have you. And, and then the other side of the coin is they have an overinflated way of being and they, they think they're better. <laughs> Then they may be. And a lot of times they're much better than we are in technology, but they just don't have that business acumen and savviness. And so it's hurting so many of them. And just behind the scenes, when people come and they they think they're way better, they're not going to get the opportunity. And so it would be worth it to for for coaches, for leaders to share with their their employees really professionalism and developing that relationship. And I think they need to take time to do team building and things like that. So the way to coach a millennial or a Gen Z is to coach them like an astronaut? (laughs) (laughs) No, because what I did with the astronaut, he was like, let's get down to business. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm the coach here. I I love it. (laughs) Now, I did like your three-step thing about coaching millennials or Gen Z. You said give them three three choices for their workplace. Can you tick off the three, Mary, and say, which one of these do you think would work best for you? moving up at this organization. This is great. I love, I love this. Well, and I always think, I mean, it is, it's important to give them choices. So they feel that they have the ability to have choices. <laughs> There's like, really only one manage. choice though. And when she gets yeah, done explaining get <laughs> that's how you manage children too. Yeah. And I, I and, you know, it's like, okay, do you want to take the apple and go that way? You know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, okay. it, it, but people do want to feel that's the biggest thing about the millennials is that they are participating in a group that has something higher, a higher value than just themselves. Mm-hmm. So it really, when you're looking at not just the bottom line financially, but you're looking at set, like we're doing good things in the world, we're helping people. That's really how to target that younger generation. They, they do appreciate that. And I appreciate that about them. 
So it was question one was something like come in, come in late, go home early and your pay will get docked 10%. That was oh, choice that number one. one. Okay. What was choice number two? <laughs> the three choices. Uh, you're putting me on the spot. I think I just extemporaneously put that together. So, well, so yeah. this is good. So we're going to have to repeat this. So behind door number two is if yeah. you do what's expected of you, you'll get your salary. Yes. <laughs> those yeah. Yes. Tomorrow and do it That's again. Right. <laughs> That's right. And number three yeah. was come up with new ideas and be proactive and get promoted. Which choice yeah. do you think you would like to do? And of course, they would hopefully <laughs> choose number three. I don't know. Well, you know. And it is, it's like, do you want to be good or do you want to be great? If you want to do, Mm -hmm. if you want to be good, you you just hit the bare minimums. If you want to be great, you're going to come in early. You're going to stay late. You're going to be participating at a different and higher level. So what do you want? What is your goal in this, in this career? Is this just a pass through time or do you really want to learn and get the most out of it? And so if you throw it back into their lap where they are getting to choose with every, you know, about their career, then it, it basically actions behavior never lies basically. Yeah. Well, and it's reinforcing the basics that you're saying that some of them are lacking. So like showing up on time, you know? Yeah. I have a friend of mine, Kevin Davis, (laughs) who wrote a great book on, on sales coaching. And one of the things he he talks about two paths and it worked. I think that would work very well with this particular generation, which is sort of like, okay, if you choose this path on your, to improve your soft skills or improve your sales skills or whatever, here are the rewards that will be bestowed upon you. However, if you choose this path and choose not to do it or whatever, here are the consequences that might happen to you. Which which one would you would you prefer? Exactly. That's exactly right. That that's giving it a very clear. And you know what? Had we had coaching before, because coaching is as a profession not that old. Mm. It's like what twenty years old, ten years old. Many of us didn't benefit from that. Just imagine if our generation had benefited from knowing what the consequences were and where we could become, you know, stronger and get rewards. We would have probably had a more successful you know, age group people of the the baby boomers. So I think coaching in itself is a real gift to the workforce. Well, for people who want to um, get a hold of you, Mary, it's marygardner.com. And then what, uh, how would you like people to reach out to you if they want to? Oh, I'd love to talk to anybody. We, um, we definitely take appointments and do some free consulting just to have a, you know, see if we're a good match for each other. So if anybody is doing any kind of motivational speaking or if they're wanting to become likable and charming and work as a good, inspiring leader, send me an email at mary at marygardner.com would be perfect. That's great. This has been such fun. I hope you'll come on again, Mary. It's good to see you again. Absolutely. Have a good chat. Thank you both very much. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.